What's happening over there? Who are you and what do you want? What do I want? Who are I, you? I'm D and I'm uh, I'm I'm still in Palm Springs. Drove to Palm Springs, driving back to today's Sunday, I'm driving back tomorrow. Um and uh, having a really good time with uh, with Hazel and uh, my daughter just went back today. Very nice. I'm Anu Kirk, and what do I want? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that's that's sort of the the eternal question. Um, I think right now, like at this moment, what I'd like is just a little more. Um, peace and, and tranquility within and without. Um, and then later I'll probably want dinner. <laughs> I'm Michael Haitley in beautiful Studio City, California, Los Angeles, greater area. And what I want is what I'm having, which is some, uh, some of my own creativity expressed in the world, wherever those ideas are coming from. I do not know, but um, yeah, just try and capture them and nail them down and put them out into the world. And uh, some relief, just always relief is what I always seek. So that's it for me. Those are, those are fine aspirations, sir. Capital. It's good for today, this nice Sunday, this beautiful Mother's Day Sunday, by the way. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Whenever you're listening to this. Yeah, if, if we had really been smart, we would have perhaps spent this episode talking about mothers. Maybe we'll do that next time. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think mine will understand. If only I'm we were pretty, smart. Pretty sure she's never heard it anyway. Sorry. The thought that counts, right? It's the thought that counts. Uh-huh. Thoughts and then prayers, right? Because that always helps. She got she got a happy Mother's Day and she got it she got a bouquet today, so I think she's good. You're a good son, D. You also are a good son. I don't care what any of your family says about you. I think you're a good <laughs> son. <laughs> Same for my family. Oh my god. Anyway. So what happened to you, D? So I'm back. Um, like you guys were saying, I was, was on the road um, when you guys did the podcast last week. Um, my, my saga kind of began when, uh, right, at the end, right near the end of the, of the last episode, right, well, no, right before, right, right at the beginning of the last episode, um, my mouth was hurting really, really bad, the right side of my mouth. Um, and I went to the dentist a few days after that episode and found out that I had three cavities on the upper left-hand side of my right-hand side of my mouth and, uh, and that I had to get uh, two root canals and uh, two crowns. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Um, 
and uh, I I have this this issue uh, with with Dennis now. That's 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 only happened pretty recently. Um, about twenty years ago, recently recently meaning twenty years ago, about twenty years ago. Um, up up to that point, I could go to the dentist and, and be fine and just have them get and have them numb me up the the way they did. But, oh, by the way, Anu, how's your mouth? Uh, well, I've still got some residual uh, numbness. Uh, it's hard for me to tell if it's getting better or if uh, I'm just getting used to uh, the reduced sensation. It definitely feels different from about here to here, uh, but but I'm at least more adjusted to it. Um, you know, it's, I, we've talked a little bit about this before, but in some ways just getting older is, uh, particularly at this point, it's about accumulated damage, not like getting over things. So, yeah. You know, yeah. if that's the worst thing that I got out of that, okay. Yeah. You know, so, fine. yeah, this is, so I, I guess I'm, I'm calling this getting older sucks part 2.5. Because that, that's pretty much what, what, what it was with you guys last week. It was, it was good. Um, so up until about 20 years ago, I, I could just go into a dentist and do the normal um, uh, local anesthesia thing like, like normal people do. And uh, at, I, I, I went in and had a visit uh, at one point about 20 years ago and uh, realized that I could not keep my mouth open without, uh, without choking. And um, they tried a few things. It, I, I ended up having to like walk out of an appointment. Uh, I went back in and they tried knocking me out, but they didn't, they didn't knock me out deep enough. And I'll never forget it. The, the dentist, the dentist said he he goes that was quite possibly the worst patient experience I have ever had as a dentist. I was like, oh, thanks. What what happened? He goes, well, you were you kept you kept fighting me. You were fighting me constantly. I was and, and I actually had to get the, the, the dental assistant to hold you down by the chest. So. Um, Despite all of all of that, Dennis, Dennis' efforts to to knock me out enough to, to, to be able to be able to hang, it's it still wasn't enough. Had, it, but he did manage to get the work done that needed to to, to be done, uh, and I think he probably suggested. He said, "Look, I, I can't." He basically said, "I can't see you anymore." Um, you need to, yeah, no, seriously. He said, he your, goes, your dentist broke up with you. My dentist broke up with me. He, he said, uh, you need to, you, I don't have the, the resources to deal with someone like you. Um, you're going to have to go find a sleep dentist, like a twilight sleep specific mm. dentist. So I went, okay. So, uh, the next time I had to get work done, I did some digging around and found this, this place in deep, deep, deep Southeast, like way the hell out, way the hell out in, in, in uh, deep Southeast meth lab town, Gresham. Um, and they've been great so far. Um, but the, the downside of, of, of what I have to do now is Talk, uh, just uh, think back about what you guys are talking about insurance and just how important it is to get insurance. It is important to get insurance and and uh, as as a as a means of self care. I thought it was great that some of the th some of the things you said too, Michael, about that. Um, even with the insurance that I normally have through 
companies I work for, it's 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 only typically enough to um, to just cover basic dental care. They and every time, so so when I go to these twi this Twilight Sleep Dentist, I have to come out of pocket to pay for the anesthesia piece, and um, it. Uh, the first time I went in, it was like, and and they made me they make me pay for it up front. They make me pay for it up front, in cash, no credit cards. Son of a um, bitch. Yeah, uh, and the first time I had it done, the first time that I, I went there was like ten or it was probably that was about twelve or thirteen years ago. It was like three hundred bucks uh, to 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 get knocked out, and then I didn't go back in again for a long time. The downside of my situation is is I put it off because I don't you know it's I, I have to, I know that I have to lay out the money to get to get the general anesthesia so um, unfortunately I I didn't practice the kind of self-care that you guys were talking about with my mouth after that point I went for about 10 years without going to going back in um, yeah and when I went back in I had a ton of work done and uh, the, the, the next time I went in it was like 2500 bucks so it went from like 300 bucks to 2500 bucks to get a general it's like holy shit what happened it's like what they were like well 10 years passed and inflation <laughs> inflation sorry you know it's just just what we have to do uh this time it was like three grand um and it was three grand for that, and then there was a bunch of other work I had to get done that, that wasn't going to be covered by insurance, and and so like I had to lay out like seven grand up front just to walk in the door. Mm. Um, but they they got the initial work done. I have I've got got my temporary crown in place. Oh yeah, the temporary crown was was fun. So so they knocked me out, and uh, if you've ever had anything done like going under general, you know you're always kind of out of it. Uh, when 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 uh, you leave the appointment uh, for like the next eight to ten hours, um, and the, the the stuff they give you like messes with your sh your short term memory in in weird ways. Um, I got home and and but I guess before they left, they told me not to eat anything on that side of my mouth, which of course I forgot. Um, I immediately went home and I was was starving because the the other thing they have to do with the general is they. Um, they make you fast for like eight hours before the appointment. So I had to fast. So I was super hungry when I got out. Got food right after the appointment. Of course, ate, started chewing on, on the right side of my mouth and felt oh. something, felt some food in my mouth. And I started, I, I was try, trying to do the thing where I was like trying to push it out with my tongue. And I kept pushing it and I was like, man, this is really wedged in. Kept pushing at it, I popped my temporary crown out. I, I was like, hey, what's this? And I looked at it, and Hazel goes, what's that? I go, I think it's my temporary crown. Oh, she goes, oh yeah, geez. it is. And, and so I quickly put it back in, and I called them, and I had to go back in, and they were like, yeah, well, we're gonna have to re-cement it. And they go, did you eat on that side of your mouth? And I went, yeah. Well, you weren't supposed to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, as as they were re-cementing it, I, I got a talking to about that. But uh, yeah, it was fun, and I I couldn't that 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 one bye week that we had, 
I was still in a lot of pain. And they, because I have to do this general anesthesia thing, they usually have to bring in an anesthesiologist, that someone that just kind of floats between all the offices. So they couldn't see me for like a week. So I was kind of stuck with the pain that I had before the last episode that I, that I was in on um, for a week or so. Fortunately, um, surprisingly, uh, CBD, uh, I was taking CBD tinctures and that really helped a lot with the pain. It was, it was crazy how much it helped. Um, so managed to, to ride on Advil and, and, and CBD until, until I had to go in, but uh, uh, finally got in. My mouth's feeling 100% better. Good. And uh, doing much better. So I guess, I guess the parable here is just to reinforce what you guys were saying last week. Take care of yourselves. Get insurance if you can get it. Um, don't don't neglect don't be neglectful of that, those those sorts of things because it's important. Yeah, one of one of the things I was thinking about while you were talking was like that's a lot of money to outlay, you know, and not everyone has the funds to do it, especially if they're like demanding cash. But you know, for folks that like aren't making as much money, I mean, some of the stuff we talked about last week was really like just what you eat. You're going to eat every day. So if you're making better choices when you're eating, it really helps with the long-term health and the short-term health as well, you know, because, um, yeah, not everyone has the funds to do that stuff. And like, do we save money, you know, for like medical? I started doing that, you know, when, the, when I was having more medical stuff, I'm like, I should probably put a little money away because you just never know when stuff comes up. And even a small percentage of income, uh, adds up over time, I found, you know, just put it in an envelope and make sure, you know, that it's hidden out of the way and you don't go in there and pilfer from yourself. But it's, I think that's a big thing about, you know, because they talk about healthcare, but it's like, it's really the cost of healthcare is really the issue, which is a much bigger issue. And the countries that have, you know, sort of uh, free uh, medical insurance, you know, it may not be the best, but it's something. And we really don't have that here in America. And um, yeah, that's always kind of a concern. So, you know, bearing that in mind, like, how do you, how do you deal with that stuff? And one of the ways is just eat better, quit fucking smoking. <laughs> quit, don't drink quit smoking. Yeah, all that stuff, you know, the stuff we talked about last week a bit and I don't know, just, just some reminders. I mean, easier said than done, but if you can't figure out how to do it on your own, like ask some people to go like, how, how do you do that? You know, that's what I started to do. It's just like, how the fuck do you eat right? And, you know, first of all, you have to sort of be able to talk about it in a grown up sort of way and then try and practice some of this stuff and do it imperfectly, you know? But like, you know, just the thing and showing up for kind of what you described, you know, like waiting 10 years, probably not the best practice. No, you know? you, no but unfortunately it's like, you know, it's, it's because of my situation. It's, yeah. I mean, the, probably the more responsible thing for me to have done would be to do, do something like let, get a cafeteria plan that I contribute to. You know, company, most yeah. companies that the people work for, I'm sure on who has, has, has support like this too. Most, most mid to large companies will allow you to have what they call a cafeteria plan where you contribute a certain amount of your income tax-free. 
Um, so you ha and and then you just have that available to you for for crap like what I had to deal with. I wasn't that. This is a, a medical savings account basically, and and the good news is you can basically skim that income out of your uh, income pool so it doesn't count against your income taxes. On the minus side, you have to spend it in the calendar year on qualified medical expenses. Now, the good news there is that there's a whole bunch of things that count for that. Um, you know, it, it can include things like uh, physical therapy, uh, contact lens solution, uh, basically anything that a, a doctor has prescribed for you. And for example, if your doctor has told you and you basically have a note from your doctor saying, hey, you need to get massaged on a regular basis, you can spend your uh, your money out of that uh, on massages. The, the downside, though, here is that if it's done through an employer, basically you lose that money at the end of the year if you don't spend it. So yeah. the, um, the trick is putting just enough in that you en end up spending it all without running around and buying like a year's worth of um, you know, contact lens solution. It's also good if you sort of know that you have fixed costs every year. So most employers' vision plans will cover, for example, uh, frames up to a certain amount and a new pair of lenses for your visual prescription, but they will not cover contact lenses and glasses, or they will only cover contact lenses up to a certain amount of money, and then you go out of pocket. So um, you know, if, if you are getting your prescription updated every year or things like that, that's another another place that you can look. Or if you have other medications that you're you're taking on a regular basis. Um, so, D, with with your mouth adventure, um, when you started having these problems, did you change your oral hygiene routine? I mean, I know this. No, is I, I think um, the the thing that uh, I, I think it was the, the contributing factors were I think. I, I think it had it was part part of it was moving up here I when I well, one of the downsides of, of living in Portland is ha, has been for me that I basically grew up in the desert I lived in the desert for the first in a desert like climate in and around desert climates for the first 33 years of my life and then I moved to this place that that rains 300 days a year and then stops raining and releases massive amounts of cottonwood pollen and other yeah. other kinds of pollen that, that my nose isn't used to and uh as a result for the first few years i was up here i was constantly getting sinus infections like I, I every february or march i was getting sinus infections every year um so i think it had something to do with the emergence of allergies that i didn't have before um when I moved to Portland and uh, and then one of the artifacts of the allergies and trying to manage the allergies uh, it, uh, it came uh, this other situation with with uh, my sinuses um, which, which I think is called copious postnasal drip or something like that like I have this this thing where like I'm constantly like the the mucus that drains down the back of my throat doesn't drain right sometimes or it gets like kind of it gets kind of kind of gummed up like way back at the back of my sinuses yeah so when i have to go to a do, do something like go to a dentist and they say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna stick this big giant fetish thing in your mouth and, and, and make keep your mouth open for three hours uh yeah right i mean you know then then i can't 
like my swallow mechanism is all messed up now as a result of like allergies and stuff that I, I just didn't didn't know that I had a problem with at that point in time. I was like when it, when I started having issues, I still didn't really know that I was having allergy problems. I didn't know that it was allergies. I didn't know that I was having issues with my sinuses. I just started, you know, I just showed up to a dentist one day and started choking when they when they stuck the fetish thing in my mouth. Um, <laughs> Jesus, and I didn't know what it was, and it and it took another couple of years before I figured out. Oh well, I just I'm really just having trouble with the climate here, but I'm going to stay up here anyway because I like Portland. Just willing to deal with it, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> but it's it's like I mean, even I think even if I move back down, I probably still have issues. I think I don't know, but I think that's what it is on it. That's that's what happened. So did you did you book your uh, next ten year appointment while you uh, were there? I don't think I'm going to get away with that anymore now that I have crowns. I've never had crowns before. And, and when, I got the talk, when, I, when I got the talking to, when they came back to re-cement it, they go, you know, you got crowns now, and you can actually get cavities underneath the crowns. This is something I didn't know. You guys probably, I'm, I'm sure you know, Michael, you, you have a lot of crowns. Um, I, lot, lot, I've only lot, got this one cap. And just that one else, cap? Yeah, this one cap. Okay. Well, they were teeth they were saying you know you can still get cavities under your crown so you're gonna have to come in every six months and like and i'm just immediately thinking oh shit so that's that means i gotta come up with three grand twice a year so that's that's gonna be tricky that's gonna be well, tricky i i think i'm just gonna, gonna just gonna see I think for cleanings, I'm just going to see if I can not have to get knocked out. I don't know. But um, I do have to go back in to get the permanent crown. But then, yeah, they were saying after that, like, you're going to have to start coming in, like, on a regular interval. You can't be doing this 10 years yeah. anymore. Because cleanings really shouldn't, they don't take that long for me. Uh, I'm pretty fastidious with my teeth. I didn't, growing up, I really wasn't. I'm surprised I don't have more cavities. But finding a good dentist and then, you know, it's like anything, like finding a good doctor and finding a dentist and finding a plan that works for you financially uh, to anybody. You know what I mean? Because like it, some people have the, the funds to do this stuff and some people are like, man, I'm an independent contractor and uh, here's what I have to deal with. But it's like the long-term cost of the stuff if you don't pay for it. I think that's really the key. And, and talking to people who like have sort of figured it out or they have a plan and just you know, that, that has really helped me a lot going like, you know, what insurance do you have? And do you have a good dentist? And like, I have a great dentist. My, mine, uh, I had a great dentist until I showed up once and, uh, the place had been sold and nobody told me. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, D Dr. Cause. And I'm like, cause, cause the original doctor, his name was Cosden. And the new guy was something like Kazadarian or something. He had like this really long, and I and I'm like, yeah, okay. And then it came in, and this guy's like really energetic. And I just went like, and a friend of mine used to work there, and she doesn't work there anymore. And so she probably would have given me the heads up. And I thought, wait a minute. Anyway, I had two bad experiences there, and I went, that's it, I'm out. So you know, I made phone calls and said, you know, I need a new dentist, and I found a great one that's you know way less expensive, but like really totally professional. It's great. But it's just rather I had to open my mouth and, and talk to some folks, you know, and I go, what do you recommend? You know, and then I take the information in 
And then I leave and I talk to some other people about it. Like I don't make any snap decisions and I don't have any emergencies. It's been pretty nice th thus far, you know, knock on wood. That's good. But I, but I think that's like having a plan that works much like what we talked about last week, having a food plan that works and a medical plan that works is like, it's inevitable that shit's going to start getting crunchy. The older we get, you know, if you're 25 and you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, bah, whatever. And rightfully so, but like good health for me started, you know, later in life, but like, I wish I had started earlier, you know? Yeah. So, and, and figuring it out wherever we're at, you know, but I think saving a little bit of money, finding some, some solutions that work and then keep checking. It's like, is this the best solution for me? I think just being vigilant about it and putting a little date in your calendar to look at like, how's my health plan going? You know, how are my teeth? How's my body? Do I have a doctor? Can I ask him how I'm doing, you know, or her, you know? Anyway, I think that's uh, yeah. shit I never thought about. You know, it's certainly like, maybe that's the way you find out. It's like you have one of those moments, those bad news insights where you're like, oh, shit. My shit's fucked up, as Warren Zevon, you know, so <laughs> eloquently. Let me break it to you, son. Yeah, <laughs> your shit's that fucked is, that up. That is a great, great song. Yeah. So anyway, well, and and like we sort of touched on last week, the other the other sort of the moral of the story is it's better to take care of your teeth a little bit every day so that you don't have to drop twenty five hundred dollars on a uh, painful and time consuming procedure. Uh, I you know yes floss. I, I can also strongly recommend getting something like a water pick and uh, one of the the better electric toothbrushes. This is the kind of stuff that it actually works. Good good call out. I have one. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I got one of those, of and there. I got I you know the other thing that, that's that's helping me a lot too. I know is uh, I got one of those Sonic toothbrushes. Yeah, like Philips Sonicare. Yeah yeah yeah, love yeah. it. Well, yeah, if, if I could go back in time to yell at my younger self, one of the things I would say is like, take better care of your teeth. Oh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Go well, it's all 25. Cool. So much of the, the really bad, bad stuff that gets into your body and fucks your heart and your brain up goes in through the mouth. You know, that's, that's like most of the doctors say that, you know, like you really, your dental hygiene is critical because like, if you carry that stuff for a long time and you have infections and more things like that, it's right next to the fucking brain and, and like that blood brain barrier once it's like you know uh sort of broken through all sorts of autoimmune stuff and like heart well, attacks it's, and like, it's, it's uh terrible. it's it's like the velvet rope to into the bloodstream too for for a lot of disease like like you, it's it's a way to get heart disease and shit too right yeah super bad for the heart so it's just it behooves you to like you know get a little thing brush your snags every night a couple times a day would be even better and you know uh, I don't know. It just seems like a almost too simple, but it's like that's that's uh, what seems to work. So, and well, it it might be simple, but it's not necessarily easy, right? And that's that's part of it's not. part of what what we have to do. It's just like pra practicing your instrument or something. It's it's simple. You just pick it up and do some mindful practice every day, but it's not easy because you gotta make yourself do it and and be disciplined about it, and that's. But it's best part of being a, an adult or at least taking care of yourself. Yeah. What do you think kept you from uh, going in for 10 years, D? I'm curious. Because this is the thing. Fear, I fear of cost. Cost What's fear. That? Cost, cost fear. Because, because I went in and they were like, 
oh, the shit that you have to do every time now, you're going to have to pay out of pocket for it. You have to pay out front, up front. And so it was like, it was, it was 10 years of, my teeth are doing good, brushing them every day, feel, they feel okay, feel okay. Not sure what I'm going to be walking, like, I'm not sure what I'm going to be walking into in terms of cost. And, and sure enough, right. when I did go in, like it had gone up, I mean, I, what's the math on that? It had gone up like almost, almost 10x. Yeah, like the the, the the outlay was almost 10x, and there were and it's and it's always like, oh, and you have to pay it now, or, or we're not even gonna, you know, you can't even walk in the door. Yeah, and, and some of this has to do with the uh, the way that insurance works in the United States, where in some cases the doctor's office or dentist's office that you're working with doesn't actually even know um, what what your piece is going to be, True. and it can take them 90 days to get paid, by, or, or sometimes longer, uh, yeah. by the insurance company. Um, so a lot of them will want you to pay up front and then they'll just have the insurance company send you a check if you overpaid, um, you know, 90 days from then. Uh, but, but part of the way that this works is like, uh, they'll call, they'll look at your insurance plan. They'll call up your insurance company and they'll say, Hey, uh, D Madden, here's his ID number needs this procedure. And the insurance company will say, well, we pay $200 for that. And the doctor's office is like, well, we charge $400 and the insurance company's like, you charge what you want. We'll pay $200 for that. And, and so in some cases that means that the doctor's office will revise what they're charging you downwards. Uh, and in some cases it just means that they come back and they go, okay, well, your insurance company's paying this much. And so you're on the hook for this much. And they may not know, uh, for, for quite some time. And sometimes there's some back and forth, uh, with, with what's going to get covered and what isn't. And then that's also complicated by, the details of your particular plan where you might have uh, a deductible that you have to pay like the first, say, 2500 or 3000 or 5000 or whatever it is every year before the insurance kicks in. And then after that, they'll pay either, you know, everything or 80 percent or you have to pay a copay or something. I mean, it's it, this is the sort of stuff that's like can be kind of annoying about being an adult, but it's sort of like flossing your teeth. It's stuff that you just got to do and understand if you're going to take care of yourself. Very yeah. True. And for for our listeners out there, it's like, yeah, this stuff can make your eyes glaze over, etc. But look, as a musician, you probably hold in your head all kinds of knowledge about effects pedal settings, uh, all the different plugins in your DAW, how to tune your instrument, all this different these different bits of musical minutia for things that you may hardly even use. We're talking about insurance, which is something that, like, we hope we never have to use it, but when you have to use it, it's super important. So it's it's worth doing a little bit of research. And in most cases, you can call up your insurance company with the number on the back of your card or from their website and, and have them explain it to you. And they're used to talking to people way dumber than you. So they can, they can break it down break it down in ways That's that are true. pretty clear. Yeah. And, and you know... I mean, it's 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 easy to fall into the 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 the, 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 the trope of the romant that the romantic trope of the starving artist, and do the well. I'm a starving artist, man. I just I'm not going to do that. That only works until you get sick, or until your mouth gets fucked up, uh, and then yeah, you know, or, and and, and, and then you can't be the starving age. artist anymore. Like then you're then you're the starving artist in debt, who's preoccupied with the debt and can't be creative because you're preoccupied with the debt. So, yeah. yeah, it's 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 not particularly cool or romantic, and I think that that whole thing is a really uh, destructive myth. 
uh, this idea that that being an artist means you have to be irresponsible uh, or not take care of the basic things in your life. You know, you're figuring out how to eat and drink and sleep every day. Uh, the least you can do is figure out how to take care of the rest of yourself. And, uh, you know, as we talked about last week, I think you're going to do your best creative work when you're not in agonizing physical pain because you're, you've got uh, cavities in your teeth or, um, you know, an abscess somewhere in your mouth or, uh, you know, a broken bone or whatever the case is. It's like, be, be a freaking grown up take care of yourself, do the things that you need to do so that you can get back to being a creative person. Yeah. And the self-medicating shit too is just like, you know, I've had so many friends die from self-medication, you know, for emotional issues, physical issues, or a combination of all that. That happened to my friend, Jesse, my friend, Jesse, who passed away. He wouldn't, it was a, it was a, he would not go in and get medical care. Now he had his own personal reasons for not doing it. And I, kind of understood them the last time I talked to him but had it been me in his shoes I I would have gone and just just thrown the I would have thrown the dice and gone you know he neglected things to the point that he died, died. yeah liver fed. and then you don't then you don't get and he died that. in the worst possible way yeah you know? that's pretty awful shit yeah that's the thing I, I can't think of a good hook when it, if I'm like in pain or I'm like you know I'm just like Oh, emotionally in turmoil, you know, it's just like, and, you know, for the people that can use that as a source for their music, good for you. <laughs> I'm a giant baby man because when I feel like shit, <laughs> I'm a big fucking baby and I'm just like, you know what? I want to feel better now. You know, I want immediate relief. And, you know, that was part of what, like, got, you know, the, the food issue for me and, like, other stuff, other, all the different ways I distracted myself. And now I'm just, I'm in this, like, things are pretty peaceful and nice. And I'm just like, now what do I do? You know what I mean? Like I have to sort of really tap into a creativity and you know, you don't have to go to war to remember what war is about. You can just like tap into that shit. So that was the thing that I'm really getting is like, I know how to remember. All I have to do is turn on the TV and go, that's a shitty story. I could write about that. That's easy. You know, I can find the emotion in it like anybody. And then, then it's just a matter of, getting to your craft but like if if my teeth were hurting or like i had something fucked up with me i'd just be like oh this is it's just one more distraction from getting to my creative you know sort of what i call a purpose or whatever yeah Um, while on that so i apologize to anu privately about this uh and, and i have i have a little bit of a story about that too so after the, the, the last episode that I was on when my mouth started to, was starting to hurt really bad, like right at the end of that, that episode, I kept, we got into a conversation about ways to, to enhance content, and I, and I brought up this thing that they do with album covers that, that, uh, that Anno and I had, had a back and forth about, like right at the end. I, we, so we ended the episode, my mouth was still killing me. I couldn't... I couldn't, I couldn't, so, and normally that, sorry, that, that was, that's the door <laughs> of this house. Sorry about that. Must be something very important you're about it's, to say. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to try to explain that. Uh, hold on. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Shouldn't happen now. So, um, no, so now typically when I'm done with the podcast, I, I, I just, uh, I, I use the, the, you know, the last few hours of the afternoon to, to work on my album. 
I was in so much pain I couldn't do that. So all I all and and uh, Hazel will tell you I am the worst fucking person to be around when I when I'm in pain or I'm sick because I fucking hate being sick and I hate being in pain. I hate I hate anything that completely impedes my ability to make or be creative up to and including work. Um, and uh, I was in that state at the, by the end of that episode. I was I I, I, I was in so much pain I couldn't I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to work on vocals. And all I could do was sit there and stew on the conversation that Anu and I had. And so I, I thought it was like a really good idea to get cranky on Anu and send him this this big email about like, hey motherfucker, I I fucking look at this shit you know like I mean I didn't really do that but I mean I I was was bent and all and I all it was I could do strong it was I mean I could strong. tell you were like I was a you, were, you were yeah yes yeah. I figured there was something going on I was like oh, I kind of I know me, I, think. I was a little bit and I was and it was just it was just because I was in a lot of fucking pain and all I could do is sit there and stew because I couldn't work I couldn't work on my music I couldn't do the thing that I normally do to feed my soul all I could do was sit there and stew on this this stupid fucking thing about about album covers so I went on this jag in an email to Anu, and then like later on in the day, uh, when after I had a few Advil in me and the, and the pain died down a little bit, I was like, man, that that was really bad. I should not have done that. And I, I sent him an email. I said, I'm sorry, man. I apologize. I said, I, I don't even. I was like, I don't even remember what I what I wrote, but I, I'm pretty sure it was pretty bad, and, I, and I'm sorry. And by the way, Anu, it was completely fucking moot. Because it turns out that they're only doing that for major labels. They're only doing it for major labels. They're only fucking doing it on Apple Music, near as I can tell. Like like Spotify completely abandoned that 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 whole thing. It's it's just like we talked about with uh, the surround sound mixes. They're doing this for top artists as a way of making sure that they have some A-list content and doing it as a kind of way to get artists to uh, do something in exchange for additional promotion. But yep, and that's that, that's that what though. that's what CD Baby told. Yeah, because I, I asked CD Baby about it, and they were like, "Yeah, they 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 won't do that for us. They're only doing that for the labels right now. Sorry, can't do it." Yeah. So Michael touched on a couple. You guys touched on a couple things I wanted to to dig in on. Go for it. Um, you know, one was this idea that um, uh, you know Michael Michael mentioned. You know, you don't you only have to go to war once to remember what it's like. And I always think of uh, one thing that uh, I was reading an interview with Sammy Hagar. I think back when he was fronting Van Halen. Woo! And they were asking him that, you know, it was sort of like, you've written a lot of songs about, you know, parties and you must party all the time. And he said something to the effect of, actually, I've only been to one really great, crazy party in my life. And he's like, but anytime I need to think about what that's like, I just go back to that one memory. And that's what all those songs are about is basically that one time. And you'd also mentioned this idea that uh, uh, when... Uh, when the when the pain goes away or when you've dealt with all this stuff you're sort of left with this stillness or this quiet and i think this is one of the challenges that um, the pandemic has brought up for people there's a lot of us that have allowed things like persistent illness or this the the giant pile of stuff that we haven't dealt with um, we have we've had all these excuses in our lives about why we haven't dealt with it. Well, this is why I haven't gone to the, the dentist in 10 years. This is why I haven't uh, done work on myself. This is why I haven't cleaned out my garage, metaphorically speaking. And all of a sudden in the pandemic, uh, all, that, all, the, all the clutter or many of the things that were stopping us from having to face these, these 
these things uh, was gone. You know, yeah. uh, we're not, we, we may have extra time in our lives because we don't have a commute or because now we're sitting at home with the problems that we've got or the, the problems in ourselves or um, relationships, the going out to dinner and going out to clubs and all the stuff that was keeping us busy and distracted, all that goes away for two years. And so now you're just stuck sitting there going, oh no, uh, it's just me and, and this stuff. And I do think there is something to this idea that keeping yourself in pain or keeping yourself partially disabled can be a way to not deal with things. Oh, I would do that if I wasn't in pain. And it may be something that's holding uh, creative people or artists back. I would finish this. I would finish these vocals if I, if my mouth didn't hurt so much. Right. And not saying that that's what you were doing, Dee, but this is the thing that happens for a lot of people. And I, I see this pattern a lot where it's like uh, a, a big example for a lot of folks is money. They're just like, well, if I had more money, then everything would be perfect in my life. And then all my problems would go away or I could solve all these things. And, and in some cases, that can be true if it's like, well, I got to I got to have a couple hundred bucks so I can go to the dentist and get my mouth fixed or whatever. But most of the time when that problem goes away somehow, you just find different problems. Or worse, you get to a place where you're like, oh no, it turns out that that wasn't the thing that was holding me back, it was something else. So basically it is possible that the, the, the pain or deferred maintenance on yourself or the things in your life are actually holding you back from either getting to the real issues in your life or to being happy and fulfilled and, and successful and satisfied. So that's something to think about. Sure. The other thing is really important to note is, as Michael mentioned, having persistent infections or illnesses in your body for long periods of time is not good. Um, it, it puts extra stress on your immune system. Um, things like infections can get dramatically worse over time. We talked about this a little bit uh, last week with some of the adventures that I had had. But you also never know when you're gonna <laughs> when you're gonna need your immune system at full capacity. You might be in a you might get hit by a bus, or you might be in a car accident, or you might get some real bad news from a doctor. And if, if you don't take care of these things, you're basically hoping that your body is going to overwhelm the infection. And if it doesn't, the infection is just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger until some really bad shit can happen. And it never happens at a convenient time, and it never happens in an inexpensive way. And this is all compounded by this idea that, you know, you guys both sort of mentioned this, like you used the phrase something to the effect of like, well, I'm, I'm a big baby and I can't handle being in pain. You're not supposed to be able to handle being in pain right? Pain, pain is an evolutionary mechanism that your body has developed to tell you that something is wrong. Yeah. And learning how to ignore that is akin to learning how to ignore uh, the fact that you need to eat or, or go to the bathroom. Or for that matter, it's, it's like uh, learning to ignore your significant other or your spouse. Like your body, like it or not, uh, you, you need to learn to treat it like a friend you love and not an enemy that you hate and that you're at war with. If your body is is hurting, if you're hurting, you're you're trying to tell yourself something. And it doesn't mean that you're a big baby. It means that you have a problem that needs to be addressed. There, there are people who have the this, this numbness that I've talked about, like their whole body doesn't have sensory nerves and they are in constant jeopardy because they don't know when they've cut themselves open or when they've broken an arm or any of these types of things and their their life is constantly at risk so um 
I'm not saying that the minute that you get the sniffles, we need to like rush off to the ER. But if you are in pain, your body is telling you something and you should do something about it. And that something should not be looking at yourself in the mirror and going, shut the fuck up, you big baby. Like, sack up, man. Like, yeah, tough, well, tough. I heard you guys talking about that last week. And, and I, I was thinking about this. Um, my relationship with pain is is somewhat closer akin to what you just did on it. I, I was raised by a jock. I was taught to, I was kind of conditioned to ignore pain. Yeah, um, man up. Man up. Man up. Yeah, you just. I think. I think we all were. It was. Uh, it was the time. Yeah, but but you know, when when you, it, it, this isn't. It's it's not so much a thing if you're if you're doing something like like taking care of yourself, like doing doing the things that that you that you do for yourself on or like like running five miles or like the things that I do like skateboarding, like things that just that that uh, that make me feel better. When you're on a sports team or you're in a sport, um, depending on the kind of sport that, that you're you're in, and for me it was was football was, was when I got the got the real wake up call with this. Um, you're kind of conditioned to to manage your pain threshold at a higher level, and and um, sure. If you're not, and, and and I guess you know, I mean, that there the probably is something something to be said for for the time, I guess, Anu. But um, you, there is some expectation that that you're that uh, that you just kind of deal with your pain, and um, and ignore it for as long as you can until you can't. And um, I think I think with my relationship with pain, it has is is, is more is more about is more with, has to do with that. Um, I just I I learned how to ignore it, um, and then when I got into my thirties and forties, um, somewhere in my mind I I thought that this was my superpower and it was it, it was the thing that allowed me to work ninety hour weeks because I could ignore what was going on with my body because I I just learned how to how to ignore it. I was like, oh man, well you know I'm invincible. Yeah. Um, and then in twenty sixteen I got an infection. Like like Anna was talking about, and I almost died. Almost died of, of an affection because I just kept ignoring everything that was happening to me, in the interest of getting my job done, in the interest of trying to have a life uh, outside of the hospital. You know, in the in, and just telling myself constantly, I'll, it, "I'm going to get over this. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine." Yeah. Well, it, I, what was it also? Did did you feel like this is what you're supposed to do? Is like the the more pain that you're enduring and the more you're toughing through it, like the better you are or the more of a badass you are. On some level, probably, yeah, yeah. And and was there? Would you say that there was fear associated with it too? Of like, if I go to the doctor, what if they tell me like it's all in my head or something along those lines? Or um, you know, what 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 stopped you good from question. going? Good question. Um, probably more of a it more of a it was more of a deeply embedded fear that something was really really wrong with me. Yeah, than like doctors hit. always carry the bad message to you, and right. it's like right. Every and if, time if, I see my doctor, yeah, they give they they would always give me information. I'm like, you know, oh, you know, I'm like, how am I doing? Is there anything I should change? But like, no one really wants to ask that. You know, I think it's kind of the last thing on the list. But like, with self-awareness i mean this is really kind of the mindfulness part of the program for me is uh 
knowing my own proclivities, you know, the ways that I treat myself uh, historically and perhaps why, but even the why isn't all that important. If you know, you know, that you neglect yourself historically and just like, I'll be fine. Or you like have that story about like, that's a superpower. And you also told me that cursing was your superpower too. So I like that you had two superpowers. Sure. But like, you know, but like, you know, those, those old beliefs and the things we inherit from parents and friends and the people that surround us. And like, I mean, this is why, you know, you know, people like alcoholics and, and people trying to recover from, you know, drug abuse and whatnot, you know, it's probably best you don't hang out with the folks you used to hang out with. Cause like those old ideas and those old habits are like reinforced by our surroundings. And so can I surround myself with people that like take care of their teeth and get, get, you know, try and stay healthy. Even if they complain about it, they still do the shit that they need to do. But it's like, you know, what's that noise in my car? And you just keep pouring, you know, like a little quart of oil in every month going like, oh, there's oil in there. I just put a quart in. <laughs> well, but it's full of metal particles. And it's just like, no, you have to actually like get a new filter. Like you have to do the whole process. And no one wants to do that. None of that shit is sexy. And it, it's but not. it's the thing that keeps us going. So you don't have to replace the entire fucking engine or you have to junk it. Like if you die, Cause your heart just fucking fails. Cause you didn't take care of it, you know? And you're like, well, I'm eating food and I'm surviving. I'm not hungry. And it's like, yeah, but if you're eating, garbage, deal. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm good, man. So well, I, no, you're making a good point. Like, I mean, you and I've talked about this many times too, Michael. I, I know yeah. for me that, that it's a mix of, it's this, it's this worst perfect storm of being, having a high pain threshold being conditioned with it but it, it's there i also have some some deep trauma that that kind of inform that that kind of tells me and, and it's 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 something i've got i've gotten past in in in, in recent years you think thank uh thanks to therapy but there's some some part of me for the longest time with uh there was a voice in my head that that went something like oh well, you don't deserve to be healthy oh yeah you really don't deserve to be healthy anyway so just just buck up deal with it yeah i think those that all that shit is like learned it's like talking about like religion or food or politics it's like there's a lot of deep-seated beliefs that you know if you subscribe to them then they're true you know what i mean they become true for you but it's hard to let in some other ideas like you know hey what about this what do you but if your deep-rooted beliefs are like you know no i can tough this out that's my problem. Well, I need to if, this if they're if they're all informed by trauma and you're not doing anything to address the trauma, you're not, you're yeah. not applying the mindfulness part of the MMM to, to 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 address the trauma, which I didn't didn't do until I was you know in, in my early forties, I guess. Then yeah. that then that can that can make you die too. You can die oh, from yeah. that. I've done so much stupid shit in my life from all sort of like ideas that I inherited ideas that I made up to cope with stuff that was going on and like, and totally unconscious. This is like, you know, invisible to most people. That's why, you know, meditation has been such a powerful tool because you got to sit there and sort of watch these thoughts. And the more distance you get from them, you go like, Oh, those are just thoughts running through my head. They may or may not be true, but if you give energy to them, then 
then they become more true. Like the more I pay attention to certain things, the more that I get in my life. I guess whatever you want to call that metaphysical sort of world. But uh, I've seen enough, you know, evidence in my lifetime, just for me and my experiences where I'm like, oh yeah, it'd be good for me to like, if I'm having a lot of negative thoughts about a particular person or a situation, what am I doing about it? How am I responding to it? Or do I just wait for it to happen again and tolerate it? And it's it's uh, right. easier said than done. I mean, this is why self-care is like, an ongoing, ever-changing, it's very dynamic. But when you get some more stability, like I'm, I'm having way more stability about taking care of myself than I've ever had in my life. And it may occur like, it used to occur early on like boredom or something's wrong because I don't have all the, kind of what Ani was talking about, all the distractions that I had before are gone or mostly gone or I have I'm taking care of them then you're left with this like vast empty space of like, okay, what are you doing? What do you want? And who are you? And those are super confronting questions. I think if you've never really uh, turned the rock over and going, I wonder what's underneath this, this rock. And like, you know, it's never as scary as I think it's going to be. It may be uncomfortable. Like I can tolerate a certain amount of uh, emotional discomfort, which is a great skill to have, especially in, you know, when you're dealing with other humans or just myself, you know, it's like, okay, I'm uncomfortable right now, but I'm not, I don't have to react to it. So like, what's, what kind of self-care can I put in today? Can I go for a walk? Can I just watch TV for a little bit? Can I like make a phone call to a friend who just makes me laugh? You know, just something like that. And it's very, very simple stuff. But it, again, it's like, like the Buddhists call it like habit energy, and so whatever the habit energy is, it could be good stuff, it could be bad stuff, or every, everywhere in between. So like what kind of uh, new practice am I willing to put in place and just try it and be, be crappy at it at first? Because I, I think most, well, I'll speak for myself, you know, coming from trauma and knowing a bunch of people that have gone through a bunch of trauma, which is most people, whether they like to admit it or not, you know, responding to that stuff is usually like unconscious just really like like why do i keep doing that thing i say i don't want to do anymore and that's really you know like well how much time do you take to examine it can you like close your eyes for five minutes a day and just sit still you can do it in your car i used to like meditate in my car if i was like wasn't managing my time well i would just like wherever i'm at before i go do the thing i set a timer for five minutes and i just sit in my car when it's parked and turned off <laughs> and like, just, just like see what's going on there and see what the, whatever that, you know, nasty voice in my head is telling me, but listen also for that little quiet voice that goes, you're doing all right. You maybe you're just having a rough mind, a rough time right now. It's going to be okay. That voice gets much louder. The more time I give it some room to speak. Cause there's always that, you know, unpaid consultant in my head that's up there just like giving me shitty advice. Frank, you know? it's that Frank yeah. guy. Yeah, and everyone's got some version of that. And if you're listening to this going like, what, what is he talking about? What voice is that? That's the voice right there. It's like, that's bullshit or whatever. It's like, um, but making time and room for that, I think is a kind of a really simple first step to self-care it's just like, what's all the racket going on in my head? The stuff I haven't even examined. Because it's like, 
like listening to a radio show, you know, and you're driving further and further away from the actual signal, and it's starting to fade and get crackly and like, and you're listening through because they're playing your favorite song, and you're just like, oh, man, that's what it's like for me. It's like a signal-to-noise ratio, you know, where how do I get back to the signal? How do I get closer to that signal again? And self-care is like that for me. I mean, if I'm in reasonably fit emotional state, it's much easier to be alive and just do all the stuff and deal with the normal sort of bullshit that happens every day. And be productive and be productive and be able to Yeah, make some music. And like, if I'm busy beating myself up for like, you know, oh, you took on too many projects. You're not getting enough songs done. I'm noticing this lately because I'm like, wanting to have a certain amount of output of music. And uh, that nasty voice in my head is like, oh, yeah, you're the enemy. That's not helpful. So, like, maybe I can, you know, slow my roll and look at what I've been doing and going, okay, maybe there's a better solution for this, you know, rather than, like, powering through it or beating up, beating myself up about it. It's just like, you would like to get a lot more music done. That's a noble goal. That's fine. But, like, at what expense? So let's just like, you know, let's see if I can find some, some tweaks here and there. Because it's really never about throw it all away and start over. Because that never seems to work for me. I'm always going to show up with the same sort of beliefs in my head. So it's like, I'm going to make some adjustments and see how it goes. You know, like a science experiment. You know, try what the person did before you and you try something new. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to frame these, it. That's a really good way to frame many it. Many of these behaviors that we develop, as as you guys have noted, are survival or coping mechanisms of a sort um you know conditioning particularly when we're young is very powerful and uh, maybe we learned to uh be less sensitive to our physical and mental and emotional environments because that was how we could cope but hopefully uh where we're at in our lives now is not the same as where we were 10 20 30 40 years ago and it, it is worth going back and understanding why we react the way that we do to certain things and then kind of asking, well, is, are, has the situation changed? Is this still a productive way to respond? And it's yeah. not, in, in many cases, this conditioning is deep enough that it's not like you can just turn it off, but you can start a process of understanding where it's coming from and try to figure out how you maybe respond in a, a better way or a, a diff, at least a different way. Um, it's that kind of, whenever I hear people talking about like, oh, I have a high pain threshold. It's like, what? A, how do you end up that way? Well, you end up that way because somebody or something subjects you to a lot of pain and tells you to deal with it. And, and you yes. uh, are rewarded for not breaking. Yes. And yes. That, yes. You know, you look at that as though it's some kind of good thing. I, I still think about, uh, you know, I played soccer when I was a kid. And um, I, I would say I, I don't know that I really enjoyed it, but it didn't really matter what I wanted because my parents had decided that I was going to play soccer uh, in, in with this youth group team. Oh, I kind of know this there, there was one game uh, that we had in the rain. Uh, it was very muddy, and um, one of the other kids on the team, a kid named Michael Lewis, who was someone who, who I knew through school and was kind of a jerk, um, hurt his arm and uh, played through the game with what turned out to be a broken arm, Ooh. despite the fact that he was in pain. And for years, this guy was held up as this guy who was 
kind of a, like I said, kind of a jerk, at least back then. Um, but held up as like a shining example of like, this is dedication and this is what you should aspire to. That's what and you do, man. That's what you do. Yeah. But I always thought this was like a story of how fucked up uh, our childhoods were of like, this kid had a broken arm. He could have died. I can't even imagine what kind of pain he was in. And instead of rushing him off to the hospital or even just taking him out of the game, it's like, no, 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 he played through the game with a broken arm. I'm like, what the fuck? This kid's like 11, 12 years old. This is not not the sort of thing that you, the, the sort of uh, mentality you want to put into people's heads. That's terrible. It's just terrible. Yes. Uh, but that that is the kind of thing that, that we were raised with. Um, and, and it's, you sort of think about it now and it's like, you know, D you have, uh, you have kid, uh, if, if your kid had a, yeah, if if your kids had, had uh, a broken arm, would you want them to keep playing in the game or would you take them to the hospital? You know, it's like if your, if your wife had a broken arm or your girlfriend had a broken arm, would you want them to, what would you do? It's like, would you go get it taken care of? You wouldn't be like, ah, tough it out. It's it's just macho bullshit, yeah, and, and it's super destructive. My my son has uh, much like me has broken multiple bones skateboarding, and every time that he has, uh, yeah, I, I I've never done I never I've never done oh good job son. I mean I was I I, I harbored a little bit of pride for the fact that that purely purely out of the fact that he was trying to do things he was pushing. He was pushing the, the limits of his of his skateboarding ability when the times that it happened, um, but I never said, "Yeah, so what if you you're, you you broke your collarbone and you're in a sling? Get back out!" I, like I never did. That. I never said, "Get back out there and skate, man." You know, like yeah. I, I I never did that. I mean, I was always the first one to say, "If you're not ready to do it, to, to, to get back into it, don't. Not, not until not until it's healed." You know? Yeah, I mean, you look at any professional athlete, you know, we talked about uh, Dara Torres and some of these other people in previous episodes, but, you know, a professional athlete gets injured in the game, they don't tape him up and send him back in, right? It's like, no, no, you're going to the hospital, or you're going to go see the doctor right now, and then you're going to be rehabbing for a while before we let you anywhere near it. And you're like, okay, so if that's what the pros do, you know, like, it's it's sort of no wonder that we can end up in a world where we're uh, not doing basic maintenance on ourselves or the things around us because there's this uh, narrative that, that we were taught of like, well, this is, this is what it means to be, you know, tough or badass or man. Hero. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, you know, the NFL, you know, the NFL, uh, I'm sure you guys probably know, uh, got uh, developed a really bad reputation, probably going back about 30 years ago. Um, with people having brain injuries and, 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 and constantly getting concussions and players, you know, ending up with that, that brain condition that causes depression that makes them hang themselves 20 years after they retire. Um, and they, they have made drastic changes to the rules. Um, if you get a head injury now in a game, they take you out, and you're not you're not allowed to go back in until you've seen a doctor, and the doctor says says that you're okay. And and, and more often than not, it, you see you. It's not uncommon to see multiple players get get pulled out of of games now, because they 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 sustain head injuries, and and, and the trainer's gone out and said, ah, no, nope, nope, you're going to go see the doctor. You can't play the rest of the game, and that yeah. it's all NFL rules now, that that weren't in place well, before. 
But they also buried it for 20 or 30 years, too. So They did. Because they were making Oh, I'm not giving them credit, but I'm just saying, like, now, at least yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, it's better, for sure. But I think They're it's not, that, you know, like, self-care really isn't sort of in, in the vernacular. I mean, living in Southern California, it's a little different. People talk about it's very woo-woo here in terms of, like, that kind of stuff. And there's a whole lot of other ideas that just don't fucking work about self-care that, you know, people take as gospel. And... uh so I think finding what works is not, I mean, we come by this, you know, dysfunction, uh, honestly, for sure. And I think that, you know, what's being called like to- toxic masculinity is part of that too, is just that like, you know, tough it up. Totally. You know, like be a man. Totally. And I'm just like, what the fuck do you mean by man? There's many sort of observations about like what man means now. And like most of it's yeah. pretty negative. So it's like, okay. Well, I'd like to be a healthy human being. So, and and I'm not quite sure what that looks like, but I can start to investigate that stuff. Like, I just want more. Like when I started this with with you guys today, it's like I just want relief, and it's a constant sort of cycle of like, you know, well, if I do this preventive maintenance all along the way to the best of my ability, it doesn't have to be perfect. I can do it sloppily and still get reasonably good results. Then, like, okay, I'm on a good path, and it takes a village. I can't just do it in isolation and I've definitely tried to will myself into like changing a food plan or getting into an exercise plan or like, you know, how many people like go and get a, you know, a gym membership in January and then by the end of February, they're like fucking hating themselves and even worse off than before. So it's that sort of, I got to go out there to sort of figure out what the problem is and get the, I'll find the solution out there, but like the, you carry the problem up in here so how do I oh, yes. address my thinking? And that's where it starts for me. Once I started to get a sense of like, oh, I'm the problem. Like if I'm sitting in traffic and I'm like, why the fuck am I in traffic? Well, like I am traffic. I'm in the traffic. So, you know, okay, what's my part in this thing? And it's like, oh, I can just tap the brakes and just go, I'm fine. There must be some reason I'm here. You know, I went out Friday night to see a show. A, uh, it was a perform a comedy performance and it was great, and and Beth and I left and we were got a little bit of food and then we parked and we're sitting on Santa Monica Boulevard, in uh, it was near like Fairfax and Santa Monica Boulevard, and there's all this traffic that's just normally not there, as I remember. And then we see all this smoke start to rise from the intersection that's about three blocks away, and I'm like. Well, that's not car fire because car fire would be black. You know, that's like plastic and rubber. My brain's just doing this thing. And I'm like, that's a bunch of guys doing some street racing and some like burnouts and stuff. Because that happens a lot down in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that shit's been happening, in, been happening a lot in Portland, too. Like, like yeah. they'll take over intersections. And, yeah, that's and, what happened. And do that shit. Yeah. And we weren't sure. And I'm just, I looked and I'm going like, that's some guy doing a burnout in the middle of the street there. And like probably a bunch of them. And they stop the traffic, and then all of a sudden we see three or four sheriff's cars go by, like the West Hollywood, like, you know, L.A. County Sheriff. And those guys are, like, mean. They get the job done in a super violent way. And uh, they showed up, and then all of a sudden the smoke lifted, the traffic started moving, and I'm like, hmm, you know, okay. But it's, you know, knowing that you could... and, And I was having a good time. I wasn't like, oh, we need to get home. I'm just like, we're fine. Everything's fine. We're sitting in our car. We're safe. Everything's good. 
and then the traffic cleared and then we got on the road and we went home. But it was one of those things of, you know, before I'd be pissed. I'm like, you know, no, I have an agenda. I need to get where I need to go now. You know, the sort of urgency of like that thinking for me. And I notice how much of that has run my life. You know what I mean? And I've like been impatient and pushed through things and like fuck things up. Occasionally you get a good result, but it's like that thing of I'm going to power through it. You know, I don't know where I got that from, but it maybe it, it definitely is a coping mechanism of like, you're on your own. You got to figure it out, do your best. And like, you know, the only thing that counts is if you get the result you want. If you win and plant the flag, your flag, great, you're done. But it kind of leaves everyone out of the equation, you know? So if I'm in traffic and I am traffic, I can be like, all right, we're all here. Everyone's here. <laughs> you know, like, can I do that with my thoughts too, you know? Especially the thoughts that like make me want to find other distractions, you know, like add to the distractions that I already have. And, you know, that's just all like me spending some time a little bit every day just paying attention to my thinking. And yeah, I was not- thinking about I was thinking about this. Sorry, Michael. I, I was thinking about this as, as you and Anna brought some of this up. Um, you, so I've been seeing the same, I've said it many times, I've been seeing the same therapist for over 20 years now. Um, I don't see her on a regular basis anymore. The only time I go to see her is, is, is if something's going on in my head and I go, why is that going on in my head and I don't have an explanation for it? And that's when I go. That's, that's when I see her. And, th- and then I go, I go, hey, doc, this is going on in my head right now and I don't really understand why. And then she'll go, well, you're doing this. Yeah, are you doing that? No, well, maybe you should do that. It, it, it's funny. It's, I can I can almost watch her pull her notes out, her her D notes out, and go. Well, remember that we talked about this ten years ago, and blah 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 blah. And are you doing this? No, doing that? No. Maybe it's this. Oh yeah, maybe it is. And so I mean that's that's kind of been what that's kind of been what it is with with, uh, with her now. Yeah, it's great to have coaches. I mean, either a mentor or a coach or like several of them, depending on what areas of your life. I've always really tried to find people that are are willing to help, you know, and just I can go go to and go like, you know, you're doing really great stuff and I'd love to learn how you do that. You know, have you ever mentored anybody? Or like, do you coach people? Are you, can I pay you to like, can I spend time with you once a week and buy you lunch? You know, things like that have really been helpful about anything that I'm interested in learning in. And I think it's just really overcoming my sense of, uh, you know, that I didn't figure it out yet. You know, getting over the shame of like, you know, I should know better by now. You know, at this age, I should have this, this and this. And it's just like, I'm at where I'm at. And I still have some of these goals that haven't been achieved. And like, okay, I can ask for help. Like, I think asking for help is probably the hardest thing. For because for whatever reason is driving people into these behaviors, uh, you know, shame, fear, all that same shit. And it's good to be like, you know, okay, yeah, I got all that going on. I, I like, I have no issue in just going like, oh yeah, that's in there. It's not the whole picture because I put all these other things in place and like, le- you know, trying to learn how to have stable relationships and friendships, romantic relationships, a relationship with my body food, money, all that stuff. And like, you can do a little inventory once a month and go, how am I doing on these areas of my life? There's like five to seven kind of major categories. And then, uh, 
You go, okay, well, I'm, I'm self-care, I'm sucking right now. So like, okay, what am I going to do about that? Is there some solution? But that's just come from like years of really asking for it, you know, like asking for like, you know, okay, I can see I want something better than I have now. So how do I get there? And I think seeking and being curious about that stuff and trying shit. And some of that shit won't work. I tried plenty of stuff that did not fucking work. And I'm like, why did I think that was a good idea? You know, because some other Yahoo, you know, buddy of mine said, you know, oh, you should try this. But I didn't really investigate and go like, do they have what I want? You know, are they living the life that I would love? You know, so find the people that have what you want and ask them like, you know, how did you do that? Can you tell me? Whether it's a book, but I think person to person is is much more powerful transmission for me because then I can ask questions, but like it's not always convenient. But because um, it's one thing to have every self-help book in the world on the wall and even read them. But if you don't apply any of that stuff, you know, then nothing good comes out of it. It's just like, you know, oh, I know how to do that technically. But like if, you, if you're not having the results, like what's the point? You know. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I know for me to help, it helps me to talk to somebody about it. And my doctor's always been great. Shrink. Yeah, that's so helpful. So, you know, if you can afford it. And be be wary of uh, advice. <laughs> we talked about that many times before. Like, you can go down to any, any like, you know, uh, coffee shop in the world and get advice from the waitress or, like, go to a bar and go, like, hey... You know, God, I'm having this problem. And they're like, oh, I know what to do. You know, here's a drink. Here's what you yeah. do. Yeah, it's like, you know, old Jim behind the bar doling out the advice. And it's like, <laughs> just thinking that so my dad used to say something funny about like uh, in situations like that. He go, he go, here's what you do. Go to go down to the river, find a couple of smooth rocks and then take them both and clap them against your nuts really hard. He said, that'll fix anything. <laughs> yeah, you'll stop. And when he would do it, you know, when he would do it, he'd be like, he'd be super serious. He'd go, okay, here's what you do. And, you know, he could totally get to get people going, you know. Go go down a river. Okay. Get a couple of rocks. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. You know where to find them. So that's, it's, they're never going away, which is good news, but, like, yeah, like, how do I find the right sort of stuff? And, you know, listening to us, like, we're not experts. We're just talking from, like, our experiences and stuff. But that's that's the best, you know, because I can take all that in and go, like, oh, okay. And then make some decisions and then take some actions. I think that's the important thing. You know, like, I had an idea for a long time to have, like, a mobile recording gig. I'm going to move it back to music real fast for a second. And I just had this vision in my head about, like, doing this kind of work uh mobily you know like could i do this anywhere and then slowly the plan just started to unfold and develop and i did the shopping i was like how much does it cost and i'm like do i have that money now and i'm like no but i will eventually you know and just kind of like kept taking those actions and moving toward those things i think it's the same with health or like trying to finish a vocal part or like whatever it is i'm up to you know just looking at that stuff in that way has really been beneficial to me and going to experts because I don't I don't know everything about the stuff that I would love to know more about. So I just go to some good sources for that information. You know, just be be wary of like blind advice from people who maybe appear to have what you want. You know, it's it's good to investigate your teachers. You know, yes, and then pick wisely. 
as my teacher taught me. He said, don't believe me. He said, investigate, you know, ask me the questions. You make sure that I'm the right teacher for you. That's not up to me. Just because I'm here, open up my mouth. He said, you should investigate as much as you need to. And I was just like, wow, I've never heard it. It's not common in our culture, you know, because there's a lot of people trying to, you know, with a lot of angles and ambitions out there, just trying to make a buck or whatever, get attention, you know. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm glad you're better, D. On the mend. Glad to be better. Glad to be better. Actually, I, I, I brought a little setup uh, with me, and uh, I've actually been able to make a little progress uh, down here as well. Oh, good. Yeah, you said you well, had some... fantastic. Uh, Is this on your new solo record that you're working on, D? Yes, sir. Yes. You said you had something you wanted to play us. Is that? Yes. Yeah, I, I, it, you know, it's, I, I guess it's, it, it, it did occur to me that, that when we were talking about what we talk about today, that, that the seg would, might get, might get weird, but, um, let's get weird, man. Let's get weird. So, uh, a couple, three weeks ago, we, we did an episode about vocals, and I had some stuff queued up that I was, was going to talk about that we kind of ran, that we ran out of time to talk about. Um, and uh, I thought that we could, we could play, play pickup uh, with, with, uh, with the first thing and, and with this thing this week. So um, when I started working on this album, I, I, there, were some, there were things that I wanted to do with vocals that, um, that I, I knew I didn't have the range to do. But at the time, I was still, still, um, still working under the the mindset of well, well, Jessica, who who helped me out with the last record, can probably cover some of the things that I'd like to do, because she does have have she she can cover the range that I can't, and and that that uh, that was something that. Uh, uh, that turned out to be a bit of kismet on the last album, and um, worked out really well, and just just turned it into something that it would not have been had she not contributed the way she did. Um, at some point, we had a few conversations as I was doing like the basic tracking stuff, and when I was ready to to get her help, I said, "Okay, I got some stuff that, that I'm ready to get her help." Um, and in the interim, she had gotten into a relationship with somebody out of state. And she's got into a long, long distance relationship and uh, said, you know, I can't do anything with you anymore because I, I may be moving to Colorado and uh, I'm in this relationship now and I really want to put the time into it. Uh, she, she had, was one of those people that, that, uh, that had been in and, out of, in and out of a few relationships in the time that I'd known her, and she finally found somebody that seemed that sounds like like he's the one, and uh, I was happy for her. But the downside was she couldn't, uh, she wasn't going to be able to help me out anymore. Um, so um, after that happened, I was like, oh shit! Well, what am I going to do now? I remembered. Um, 
seeing this video, I'll, I'll have to try to find it and share it. Seeing this video of, of uh, this, this uh, singer-songwriter, the solo artist, uh, this guy Jamie Liddell, who does his own podcast. And he shared this little, this little trick. He, he did this, uh, this video for uh, Sound Toys, um, hopeful, who, are, who will hopefully be our, uh, another one of our future sponsors one day, because I think we all like the Sound Toys plugins. I love them. He did a video showing it that, so Sound Toys makes a whole bunch of different things. Um, Michael and I know are, are big fans of Echo Boy in particular, and uh, a couple of other things that they make. Um, but there's there's like a whole bunch of other stuff that they make that that I, I looked at you know I looked at them on paper and thought oh, I don't really need that what am I going to use that for? Um, and the, among those things is this 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 plugin they make called Little Choir Boy, and all Little Choir Boy does is it is it messes with formants, so it can uh, the the the, the formant is, is what happens with your throat it, it's it's the it's the part of your throat I'm hope I think I'm explaining this right right I don't know. It's the part that makes your throat shorter or longer, so it, you can. And, and there's there's plugins out there, and and, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the tuning plugins, the the, the pitch correction plugins, uh, typically have this feature as well, to, to compensate for the things that you, you might be doing with with the pitch of your your vocal or or upright bass, whatever you're trying to do. Well, upright bass you would use performance vocals, um, where if if you um, if you have to pitch something up to a point to, to get it into pitch, like a note that you that you sang into pitch, and it gets it to a point where it starts to sound chipmunky, like uh, you know, it, it, which is something that can happen even with with pitch correction. It you know it, it can end up sounding like like a tape getting sped up, yeah. sounding like an old man, <laughs> sound like a fucking old man. You know, you speed you speed your tape up, and when you speed your tape up, it sounds. Um, Chipmunk is a, a technical term, by the way. Yeah, too. you sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah, it's it's funny because that is one of those references that isn't going to make like it. It won't make sense for people of a certain generation. I, I know. Actually. I was. I, I caught it myself is, saying it, it's it's completely it's completely an artifact of of it tape is. and and so to to be a little pedantic for for a moment. Uh, a formant is basically kind of like uh, a, an EQ profile, if you will. And so for the human voice, there's uh, like, I think, two or three kind of distinctive bumps in particular ranges for men and women. And they vary a bit from individual to individual, but it's this kind of EQ bump that's caused by the different resonances in our heads and, and whatnot. And, and they're fixed, right? It's like a filter bank, if you will. And most acoustic instruments... Uh, because they are uh, unchanging. Like if you think of a guitar body, a guitar, uh, acoustic guitar has a formant also, and it is the result of like the resonance of the box of the guitar. And even as you're playing pitches up or down the neck, that filter bank uh, of the box doesn't really change. It, it affects and colors the sound in a particular way. Same thing with our voices. We have these sort of, I believe it's three, uh, probably may, maybe one of our listeners will write it and correct me, but there's sort of like three particular EQ bumps that are slightly shifted depending on if you're male or female and depending on who you are. But it's part of why uh, our voices sound similar even if we raise or lower the pitch when we're speaking. And what happens when you take a recording and pitch shift it is that those EQ bumps move right? Because the entire frequency content is being raised or lowered. And that's what makes it sound like a chipmunk 
because it sounds like a little tiny person because the formant is shifting upwards instead of the formant staying in place and the pitch moving. So one of the big innovations that happened this probably literally like 20-ish years ago is that uh, when looking to pitch correct voices, they figured out how to uh, separate the formant tweaking from the pitch tweaking and began to be able to make things like formant corrected pitch shifters, which allowed for more extreme shifting of the voice uh, without uh, chipmunkification or that kind of slowed down tape sound that you can get if you're chopping and screwing something and slowing the vocal way down. But it also means that you can do some cool shit where you start shifting the formant independently of the pitch. And so this is something I did on uh, Paper Life a couple times, and I've heard a couple other artists do some cool things where you can take an existing recording of your voice and push the formant up or down to make it sound like the tape is playing, uh, the recording is playing at a different speed, or in some cases to shift your gender. Um, so you can you can make yourself sound more like a woman or more like a man or whatever it is you want to do uh, based on this kind of uh, uh, formant shifting. But the thing I want to stress is that this, this notion of a formant is part of what makes acoustic instruments different from, say, synthesizers. You can, you can replicate this kind of effect on synthesizers by setting filters at fixed positions with a bit of resonance through them and, and hear how it makes things sound sort of more acoustic. And there are some digital synths in particular that have vocal formant filters, which are basically like three filters put sort of in these places where you get these kinds of uh, vocal-like uh, qualities too. Anyway, small digression there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it, it turns out that, 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 that variations of, of these tricks, the, 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 the trick you were just talking about, so, so, so backing up a little bit, so, so the thing that you were just talking about is actually something that I do quite a bit as part of my vocal comping um, if, if I'm, if, if I like a take, if I'm really attached to a take and I feel like I can make it work with, with a little bit of pitch correction with, with the odd notes that, that are out, um, uh, formant and it, in auto, auto tune had this feature called throat. It was a similar thing. Um, uh, I was able to, to keep takes that I was really attached to by messing around with formants. And I would only use them for like super, like subtly, like like dragging it to the point where like okay, that that sounds like me. And then I would just leave it. Well, um, there, there's examples of people that having done this going all the way back to like the '60s and '70s. Um, that I, I began to become aware of after I saw this Jamie Liddell thing. So backing up to the Jamie Liddell thing. So Jamie Liddell is like an an amazing vocalist. Anybody who's heard him. Guy is actually an incredible vocalist, um, and he and he has pretty good range. But he did this little demo of of uh, little choir boy, the, the little choir boy plugin on Sound Tools, where he was like, where he even like he, he he said something surprising to me, just knowing his material. He said, you know, sometimes I, I can't. There's stuff that I want to do with my voice that's out of my range, and he goes, here's what I do, and he did this thing where like he took a track that he was working on. And he pitched it down like he was like, okay, so here's this track. I want to do like a fifth harmony on this, but it's kind of out of my range. But he said I, he knew that the top end of his range was about three steps down from the key of the song. So he said, here's what I do. I take, I take a mix of the song and I pitch it down. I take the mix and pitch the mix down three steps to, into a range that I'm comfortable with. And then I track the part what, against the, 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 the pitch down version of the mix. Then I pitch them, and, and what I, now, now I've, I've got this track 
that I've done with my vocal that's three that's three semitones down, say, from, from the, the key that it needs to be in, because now I'm gonna pitch it up. I'm gonna pitch it up three steps. Oh, now I've got the Alvin and the Chipmunks problem. Well, here's what you can do to deal with the Alvin and the Chipmunks problem. And he starts talking about formants. And he pulls up little choir boy and he starts playing around with, with the formants the way that, that I would normally do with comping, and, he, and suddenly he's got something after, after doing some doubling and of his vocal and, and, and mixing it in with some other stuff that was in his range, and like all of a sudden, we just, and he got it to sit in, it was like, and it sounded like, like a perfect three-part harmony. I was like, oh shit. Um, little so, Alter Boy. Little Alter Boy. Little Alter Boy is the plugin. So he was doing that for, with Little Alter Boy. I, I figured out that, uh, I figured out, so I figured out a couple things. I, 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 so I did a bunch of experimenting. Um, I figured out that I could do something similar with with Melodyne with Selimoli Melodyne because Melodyne has I, I, I'm a huge fan of Melodyne for, for pitch correction Melodyne has a formant feature a, a really nice super flexible super powerful formant feature that works really well and I figured out that I could do the same thing with the tools that I typically use for um, for my vocals because the tool that I normally use for my vocal already ha has 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 formant has uh, has a formant feature, so I started experimenting with that. I started I I I I pulled up a track. I was working. I was in the middle of working on this one track um, that I knew was going to require some crazy crazy fucking harmony stuff, and I was kind of in denial about it. Fortunately, my friend Jason Luckett. My friend Jason Luckett, who who I asked if he could play guitar on this thing, um, w without even expecting it, really um, to his credit, pushed me way out of my comfort zone and, and was like, I, I sent him I sent him a stem that just had a scratch vocal that was that was pitchy as fuck. Like it was just it was something that I normally do for myself. Like when I'm doing stuff for myself and I'm just I just want a scratch vocal to work out how. Where the, how you know what the vocal melody is going to be and where it's going to sit? I don't really think think much about being pitchy. I just I just I, I take this little uh, this little Radio Shack mic and I just kind of sit there and I just I just kind of do la 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 until I find something that that kind of works for me with with the lyrics that I wrote. But I don't I know that I'm going to do a real take later, so I don't really give a fuck um, what it sounds like. Well, I sent him a stem with that, and he heard the original version and he goes. Him being my friend since I was nine or ten years old, and being somebody that I look up to because he's, I, I've always kind of looked up to him as being a real musician. He, he was on the show in one of the one of the early early episodes when Anna was out. Um, he goes, you know, you, you know, there's harmonies in there, and it doesn't really sound like you're going to be able to do those harmonies. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, I, I've got some ideas to to deal with that. And deep down, I didn't really. Um, and uh, and I got off the phone, and it was ta after talking to him about it the first time. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like he was he found some other mistakes with the track that I had to fix anyway, and and so he was kind of telling me, "Look, if you want me to help you out, you got to step up. You're gonna have to step up and, and show me that you can you can do something that resembles this vocal, or come up with something that with this version of the song that you're trying to do." that um, is at least something that sounds like you and is still interesting. But, but it, I, 
he play, he grew up playing in power pop bands, which was one of the reasons I asked him. He was in he was in this really great power pop band in the early eighties. So he has he's he was much more attuned to the kinds of harmonies that I had to do than I than I've ever been. And um, it was enough to get me to step up and and try this Jamie Liddell trick. It was weeks of experimenting. We like just trying, trying different things, like trying to figure out like the range that I could do for the, for the third. Try, trying to figure out what the actual harmony was in the original song, like all the harmonies that existed in the original song, because they were so dense, it was it was hard to pick them apart. Um, I finally figured out what I needed to do with the harmonies, and figured out that the third harmony that I had to do was just way the fuck out of my range. So, but. Like Jamie Liddell, I figured out that if I pitched the entire mix like three semitones down, I could, it was down in a range that I could do the thing that he was doing. Um, and once I pitched it back up and started playing around with the formants, and, and, and I started out just like, just kind of doing what he did. I just took, took a, I, I took a, I exported a mix of what I had out of my main project and, and created a brand new project, and then pulled that, that mix into the project so I just had a single track that was the mix. And then I just sat there with my little my little Tandy Radio Shack mic that Hazel got me at a garage sale, and just kept like trying things, like trying things, trying things, trying things. I finally, I finally uh, found the bits of the harmonies that I could do that were in my range, and the bits that I couldn't. I did this did the Jamie Liddell thing, and after some ex after a bunch of experimenting and watching a bunch of videos. And figuring out a bunch of shit that other people had done, like going all the way back to the '70s with stuff like this, that that I'll, I'll get to, that I, I I was able to make it work, and it's it's been working out pretty good. But it's it's a it's a very slow and laborious process for me, because I, while I have had some some vocal training, um, that you know working, I'm I'm not the kind of person. I'm not like my friend Jessica, who can just sit down and listen to something and crap out a counter melody to something in two or three takes if I tell her the key of the song. Like I'm not that person. I have to I have to sit down with a piano and and actually kind of tap out the vocal melody that I've worked out for for, for the lead vocal, and then I start and then I start working out on a piano. I, I think Anna, you talk about doing stuff like this too. And then I start working out. Okay, what? What what does a har what would a what about a harmony to, to this this vocal melody that I've worked out the piano version of sound like and I start noodling on a piano to try to work out what I think it's going to be, and then I and then I start singing to that because that's one thing I did learn how to do with vocal training is I learned scales and stuff. Once I hear piano notes, I can I can I can match the pitch, but I I'm not the kind of person that can just sit down and just just crap out a run. You know I can't do it. So it's it's been. It's it's been working out, but it's it's a it's pretty laborious process because I have to sit down and really think think through. Okay, am I going to do a triad for this chorus? Am I going to am I just going to do like a blocked third for this chorus? Am I going to do a third to a fifth? Is is it going to be a counter melody? And I have to sit down with a piano and kind of work all that stuff out, and follow it, and listen to it uh, to make that work. And that's that's kind of what that's what I've been doing when I talk about like you know the vocal part is the, the vocal portion of this this album. It's been really difficult. That's that's the part of it that's been really difficult. Um, I've got a few examples. So this 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 one track that I worked on with my friend Jason. I've got. I think I have a snippet of it in here. Yeah, I do. 
So it's so what I ended up with sounds like this. Did that. I did that, and I, I was telling Michael this after I did it. I said, you know, I had to listen to it about five or six times because I couldn't believe it was something that I did. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Yeah, so so through a combination of what I learned from Jamie Liddell and some shit that I learned about, like, uh, shit that Queen would do in the early days with their vocals, um, I was able to achieve that. Something I figured out that, that I learned, I, I watched a... I watched it like Reverb does these videos where where they go, okay, we're gonna try to recreate this this what they did the recording of this one song, and we're gonna break it down for you. We're gonna we're gonna show you what they did. They did one like for uh, uh, that 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 first Queens of the Stone Age hit that they 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 got into like how they recorded those drums, which was super interesting, by the way. Um, the the technique that they used for recording the drums, but but they also did they did one for Bohemian Rhapsody. They were like. And they just they just kind of focused on the harmonies, and they, and they were talking and and they and they were talking through like, okay, we've done some research, and we know this is what Queen did when they record when they when when they used to record their harmonies. And there was a couple of things they would do. They would always um, track their harmonies. They they wouldn't double their harmonies. They would do they would do something like they would track they would do six passes of each harmony. Um, and then they would just pan them across the stereo field, and they, and they were like saying like okay they would do six of, like so if they had like a like a triad that they had to do, they would do six passes of the third, six, six passes of the root, six passes of of the fifth, and then you know another six passes of of the uh, the octave if they were if they were doing like you know an octave harmony, um, and I was like oh wow they do do that, and the other thing they talked about was they would slow the tape down for the notes that they couldn't fucking hit. Oh, yeah. Same with ELO, too. And I was like, oh, yeah. And Michael and I were talking about this later. After, after I was able to pull this off, um, I, I began to, once I lost Jessica and I started learned, trying, figuring out this Jamie Liddell thing, I, I started paying more attention to um, a lot of the YouTube videos that, that I listened to are like music production videos to get into vocals. And, and the other thing I learned uh, from that McCartney 1234 thing that Rick Rubin did with McCartney was, oh yeah, we used to pitch, we used to, we used to pitch down the, we, used to, we should turn on the tape speed all the time. We used to use the tape speed trick for all kinds of shit. He was like, it, back in the day, it was really cool because the tape machines back in the day, if you pitched all the way down, it was, it was always a full octave. It's always a full octaves, and they knew that. So, so half he was speed. saying that half speed. So he would use that trick all the fucking time. He would. He was like saying like, I, I learned so much shit about like stuff the Beatles did, uh, did back in the day. He was like saying, uh, for example, McCartney would off off times be do the lead parts. He would play the guitar. He would just go to George and go, Hey, I'm, I'd like to play this part. I have an idea for this part. Like he would he would have a song written. And it wasn't uncommon for him to go, I'm going to play the guitar in this, and George would go, okay. Um, Fine. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes uh, he would, there were parts that he would want to do that he couldn't play, at the, he couldn't even play. 
at the regular tempo. And, and he was telling the story like the first time this happened and George Martin was like, oh, we can just pitch it down and get it down slow enough and you could, turn, you could tune your guitar down an octave so that you can now play the part at half speed and when it's pitched up, then, then everything just kind of sits right. And, and then he played, um, oh my God, it was, it was like the lead for help, I think. And it, he played, it was like, oh shit, they did do that. Like, like if you think about that, the, the lead part in that song, it's got this really weird kind of, it's, it's the thing with the formants that you're talking about, Anu, in a, in a way. It's got this weird chipmunky feel to it, but it works because it's just an electric guitar. Queen would do that shit too. Queen would tune shit down for, 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 the, for the high harmonies that they couldn't hit. And probably, you know, since they didn't have things for formants, I'm guessing, Anu, they would just, they, they just, the engineers knew enough about EQ to do some of the things that you're talking about, I guess, right? I mean, or, or it just it just sounded weird. I mean, the thing is, or it just sounded take, weird. If you take something and you run it at double speed, it's not going to sound right. Uh, right. And and sometimes you can use that for an effect. And the Beatles did that a lot with like there's a couple of piano parts and things like that where you can hear that clearly the tape it's been sped up, like they recorded it an octave down and played it back, and it they're just like whatever, it sounds cool. Um, it really just depends and um you know you can use the there was that whole uh, genre of hip-hop for a while that sort of chopped and screwed uh purple juice stuff where where they were they were doing that stuff on purpose and so it's it's like anything else the stuff that initially people are like oh well it sounds weird you all but guaranteed that somebody is going to make an entire genre out of it <laughs> and that includes like robotic pitch correction or things like that right um, I mean, most of these tools were designed to solve problems and do things like, okay, well, you know, if we if we have X, Y, or Z going on, then we can we can fix it with this kind of thing, and then someone figures out, well, if I if I turn it all the way up so it sounds artificial or bad or wrong, um, that's that's kind of cool. And pop, I'm just going to make it a thing. I'm just going to make that a thing. Yeah, I, I can play you guys for an example. Uh, I have a little clip of uh, one of the songs off of Paper Life where um, you can hear me basically. Uh, changing the formant on the vocal in real time. So, oh, do it. Yeah, right. do it. So that's, that's from awesome. a song called Dead Stars, and you can hear, I sang this like in key and in pitch and just automated changing the formant over time. So you, you can hear how, how it sounds kind of messed up. She said, most of the stars So you know you can you yeah can I can hear, hear it. it I can hear it it's got yeah. this it's it's sort of like it's slowing down uh, uh, quality to it and that ended up being one of the things that I think is like a defining sound on that that track I'm kind of just doing that throughout uh, w one of my uh, friends finds it really unsettling and can't listen to the song because <laughs> she's like it, she she calls it the dead Anu voice oh and, that's great. Sounds great, man. Uh, but 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 you can hear it gives it that quality of like the tape being played at the wrong speed, and I'm just applying it uh, after the fact. 
I've also found that this uh, will help if I'm trying to make my backing vocals stand out a bit sometimes uh, or be a little more differentiated since, like you, I I'd end up doing a lot of overdubs of my own voice. One trick I've started to do is um, if I, I usually at least d double track and do some kind of panning left and right. Maybe it's not hard panning, but a little separation. Yeah, same. And either going and taking the backing vocals and applying some formant shifting to them to bring them up or down a bit, and sometimes mm -hmm. doing it independently so that one is a little up and one is a little down. Um, and this idea of doing a lot of backing vocals, uh, this is this is the big mutt mutt lang trick for Def Leppard and his various other things like he will do he would do dozens of overdubs uh, of the same parts mixed together with the enunciation really overdone so it doesn't get too mushy and giving it this kind of washy uh, smear um, it's really easy that when, when Queen and even when Mutt were doing it, like it was a challenge because they're either ganging together digital machines with sync issues and things like that, or they're yep. doing a lot of bouncing and uh, hitting the, the tape to the point that it's starting to come apart. But in a DAW, it's trivial. And you can do stuff like um, loop it and stack up a bunch of takes and then just sort of offset them a little bit so that you have uh, uh, different mountains of them. It's, it's worth trying. Uh, just so you can see what it is. It's not n none of this is shit I would whatever whatever think to do up up to now. Yeah. But it is, and it and it works really well. We still come from this uh, four track mindset or eight track mindset of like, well, I only yep. got so many tracks, and yep. Yeah, it. it uh, I'm not so I'm not doing the crazy queen six pass thing, but I am like for some of the stuff that I've been doing, I, I'll do three, and then I'll do like a hard left right middle. You know, I'll do stuff like that, and it does make a difference. Like it does, it does give you that really nice wash that 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 you're referring to. I know it, it it's it's pretty amazing. It's just one of those things that I like. If I, I I if I watched that video before I had to do something like this, I go, oh, okay, whatever. That's interesting, but that's not something I would do. Yeah. It wasn't until I was forced to do it. The, the pro tip here is do not pitch correct the bejesus out of all of those things. No, Part of what you yeah. want is the the variation uh, in pitches. It's okay if a little of them are even out. I mean, that's what makes them sound really big. And if you pitch correct all of your backing vocals to be perfect, they're just going to disappear into the uh, original vocal. You need to have them have a little bit of, of, uh, of variation. Um, yeah. That's that's another thing that I, I sort of learned. It's like, let, let the backing vocals... You don't want them really bad, but you definitely don't want them to be perfect. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a very good call out. That's another thing that I've been doing. So I've been, I've been going real. I, we talked about this, I think, in the in the first vocal thing. I go, um, I've been going real hard uh, on some of the, some, on the layered vocals, but I, but I I never go that hard with the lead vocal. Like I don't don't do anything like that. Lead vocal, I just just treat the lead vocal the way I always do. I just do just the bare minimum. I need to do to get it to sit right, to sit in the mix right, and and to to, to sound like the way it sounds in my head, you know. But uh, but for the backing vocals, I, I go sick. I just do whatever it takes to get it get them to sit right. And you can't do that when your teeth are fucked up. No, you can't. You got to no, get it right. You get the yeah, teeth, and then the form follows, and then then you pull a card, and we end the show. <laughs> Oh, we're we're a time. You got to go, right? Sorry for the hard segue. Yeah, it's okay. Mother's Day. I had something else that that I was going to talk about, but we're out of time.
That's okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. I, I mean, we covered the, the big stuff. So that's what I've been doing with my album, and that's why it's this is why my album has been taking so long. But once I got past that that song that that snippet I just shared, uh, things started to go a little bit faster. Like I've kind of fallen into a rhythm of like of doing this thing where I set up a separate project with a mix and, and ex- experiment, and it's going it's working out pretty well. I think it sounds fantastic. Thank you, sir. It's a beautyous. Okay, I'm ready. Y'all got a card? Got a card. All right. And... Boom. (laughs) What do they say on it? No, Anu, you go there. I, I heard you do it in the last episode. I, you've got a better voice. I like Anu voice. Oh, he's not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Anu says, not building a wall, but making a brick. Michael says, you don't have to be ashamed of using your own ideas. <laughs> and mine says, is it finished? Question mark. Ah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was actually talking, but I was on mute, and I couldn't. You couldn't tell because my card was covering my. Oh mouth. man! <laughs> I loved it when you did it last last week. It, it, it's just that 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 lovely. Well, I'll, I'll uh, radio it up next time. All right. Yeah, yours said the the one about the brick is a perfect uh, perfect yeah. card for for what we were just talking about. Build the brick. Just don't don't try to build the wall. Build the little bricks first find the best bricks and then and then start building the wall and that's kind of what i ended up doing i love it thank you gentlemen sorry for the hard end okay and we will not see you next week uh d will with some sort of a show i'm gonna come up with something a minstrel show anyway yeah maybe thanks I'll do again a- Maybe I'll do a 0.5 part of this or find someone to talk to. Sure. <laughs> and and uh, maybe maybe Michael and I can pre-tape some segments. Michael could do a, a short book review or something like that if, if you wanted. And I've been trying to get him to do that for a long time ever from the beginning, and, and I can't get him to do it. All right. I'll do something. That's, that's, that's a really good idea. Well, until next time... Sweet children out there in the night, enjoy our uh, information. Take it with a grain of salt and practice. And we'll see you all. Stay healthy. Yeah. Play with formants. Experiment. That's right. Next episode. Don't be afraid to experiment. See ya. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.